Hello, I'm M3, and this is my opinion for Wednesday, July 25th, 2018. Here today, once again, to recap SmackDown Live from last night as they continue their build towards SummerSlam. Last night got a lot more clearer answers as far as the WWE Championship situation, uh, Carmella, whether she's going to be defending the SmackDown Women's title at SummerSlam. The tag team uh, scene uh, began to take shape as Paige had announced a tournament to decide who was facing the Bludgeon Brothers at SummerSlam. But the biggest question that remained on my mind all week long remains from the vicious attacks by Randy Orton on Jeff Hardy last week. First at Extreme Rules when he surprised us all and returned after two months and after his stare down with Nakamura <laughs> instead turned his direction, his attention, excuse me, toward Jeff Hardy and low-blowed him. Then last week we saw one of the more vicious beatings Randy Orton ever laid down on someone, including a scene that I still can't get out of my mind when he almost seemingly tried to completely rip apart Jeff Hardy's ear by sticking his finger in the hole of where Hardy's earring normally is. And the question remained, why did Randy uh, attack Hardy? What, what was behind that? And thankfully this week we didn't have to wait too long. Orton opened up the show. It wasn't your typical promo of, oh, let's build toward a match later on. This opening uh, promo of the show had meaning behind it. It had significance uh, uh, behind it because Randy Orton's reasoning for attacking Jeff Hardy was actually all of us, the WWE fans. But it wasn't because of unfinished business. It wasn't because Hardy beat him for the U.S. title. It wasn't about a rivalry they had 10 years ago. Hell, it wasn't even about them interrupting each other's entrances back when Jeff came to SmackDown uh, in April. It was about the fact that Randy feels he's getting a lack of respect from the fans and that they're sh throwing their support behind guys that don't deserve it. He made reference to several superstars when he talked about Guys coming up on the indie scene, uh, probably talking about Daniel Bryan there. Guys stealing uh, two sweet hand signals, referencing AJ Styles. Bro even referenced John Cena and how he's got a different color t-shirt every month. Bro brought up how he's here uh, each and every single week, unlike some guys taking a shot at Cena. Also probably taking a shot at Brock Lesnar. And brought up how Jeff Hardy is loved by the fans because of his craziness, his daredevil uh, lifestyle, and coming out uh, always wearing uh, face paint. And Randy's now making it his mission to uh, take out every superstar that the fans, in his mind, blindly show their faith and love for, beginning with Hardy, even vowing to end Jeff Hardy's career. And I, I've got to say, I like this new feel for Randy Orton. Yeah, I was sickened by uh, him trying to rip Jeff Hardy's ear apart last week. 
but it gave a new feel for Randy's character, which had kind of been stale over the last year as a babyface. It's been a while since he had been a heel. What was it? Four years since he had had association with the authority. So he's been a face for the last four years. It was time for a change in his character, give a fresh feel. And now coming across as the disrespected veteran who feels he's given everything to the business and not getting uh, enough respect and wanted to take out all of uh, the fan favorites, wanted to take out the, the heroes. It gives his uh, new heel uh, a fresh feel, a, a fresh uh, uh, look, and uh, and he becomes easily hateable when you're going up against a guy that is as beloved and uh, given as loud of reaction as Jeff Hardy is. Uh, because, I mean, J- Jeff Hardy draws the emotion of the, the fans with the um, the face paint when he during his entrance, the interaction with with the crowd, uh, his daredevil um, stuff that he does in his matches, and Randy feels that that support should be shown toward him. So you go after a guy like Jeff Hardy, and that's easily going to get the crowd to turn on you. Hell, anytime you make it about the crowd, even any excuse of why you viciously beat up someone. That's easily going to get heat on you. And now with this uh, mantra of Randy Orton you know, speaking honestly, speak, almost feeling real during this opening promo, it, it uh, will help uh, draw more heat, uh, help uh, stop the fans from cheering him when they hear his music off. I, I thought the best part of it was after he got done uh, uh, saying his piece, when he walked off, there was no entrance music played whatsoever. His, they didn't go to the whole, I hear voices in my head. None of that. It was a, a quiet exit. He just kind of uh, slowly um, walked off and you felt the heat drawn upon him there. And I got to say, I, I, well, I don't agree with the, what he was saying. I kind of like the change in character for Randy Orton. One thing we rarely see in this day and age of wrestling, or usually in any time in the wrestling business, is a singles matchup between two heels. Now, there are times where there's disputes amongst the heel faction, and they send them out there to have a match, and that's usually done to draw out their big rival as far as just a setup. To, to give you a little bit of a, a swerve there. But normally, you don't see heat between two uh, heel wrestlers and to lead to a one-on-one matchup. We saw that last night with uh, Rusev going one-on-one with Andrade Cien Almas. Got started earlier in the day when there was a confrontation backstage between Zelina Vega and uh, Lana leading to Rusev challenging Almas to a match later on last night. And listen, I don't care how much the fans chant Rusev Day, how much um, p- 
people get behind him. He is still technically a heel. He is still uh, technically considered a bad guy. Yes, he plays along with the Rusev Day thing, but his character is uh, not someone that is built to be a babyface, at least where he stands uh, right now. So, interesting match between these two. Actually, very quality match. Two guys coming off of uh, losing uh, singles matches to the current WWE champion AJ Styles, both looking to get back on on track. And you had an interesting uh, mixer, you know, with Rusev and his brunt, brute strength, excuse me, and a lot of the kicks that he throws going up against Almas, who uh, can do some high flying things, uses his speed, is surprisingly fast for a, a guy uh, his size. I did like that neither uh, one of uh, uh, their. Um, Accompanies, should I say, uh, got involved. Vega nor Lana actually got involved in the actual match. They were screaming support to each other, to their uh, respective uh, partners throughout the match, but never once uh, got involved. They uh, talked some trash to each other throughout the match, but never uh, got you know physically involved in it. You, you saw... Uh, a bunch of close falls throughout it, and uh, each guy was clearly looking for their finisher, whether it be Rusev with the Moscow kick or uh, with the Almas and the Hammerlock DDT. And it, it looked like at one point the uh, Bulgarian brute was going to uh, win the match after he uh, delivered the Moscow kick, but then you knew with the tension that built up earlier in the day with Lana and Vega, at some point they were going to get into it, and they broke into a fight outside the ring, and then we saw the continuation of something I've seen coming in uh, the last couple of months, when Aiden English intervened, but uh, when he was trying to help Lana, Vega uh, hopped on his back and knocked, it caused him to knock down Lana. And that distraction left Rusev prey uh, for almost to take advantage and get the victory. And, you know, this match, it served a couple of purposes here. One, yeah, both guys coming off of uh, losses here. Both guys are... Uh, um, looking to get back on track. But I thought it was more important for them to have Almas win that match last week, especially last night, especially after losing last week to AJ. He, he needed to get right back on the horse with the uh, big role he's been on since coming to the main roster and get his biggest victory to date. Uh, the other thing it did with the distraction um, of, of Aiden English, it continued along a storyline that I've seen coming for a while, and that's eventually Rusev and Lana uh, dumping uh, Aiden English and getting back to the two of them being paired together as a duo, which led to some of Rusev's greatest success as a singles competitor. I mean, he was a two-time United States champion uh with uh, Lana by his side before the whole Rusev Day thing got started. So now you've had two matches in a row where English 
either caused a distraction or did something that ultimately cost Rusev from winning uh, the match. And it can't help when uh, Rusev is seeing uh, Aiden English, albeit by accident, knock down his wife. So you figure at some point, Rusev's going to turn on Aiden English. It's going to get the fans going back against uh, Rusev. The whole Rusev Day thing, uh, while it's been fun while it lasted, is going to come to an end. And you're going to have Rusev back as one of the legitimately strong heels on uh, the SmackDown roster. Because you know at some point that he needed to get back to the way his his character was, taking things a little bit more seriously. Rusev Day was something that could not continue forever. So I thought, no, the match was good, but the result of the match between Almas and Rusev did a lot to further both of their uh, personal storylines with Almas trying to build himself up as uh, one of the young up-and-comers on SmackDown Live and Rusev you seeing the continuing uh, uh, break-apart in the relationship with him and Lana and Aiden English. Now, a lot of the buzz is still uh, raining on WWE uh, for their announcement on Monday night of the first ever all-women's pay-per-view coming up in October, WWE Evolution. And you figured there was going to be more reaction to that on SmackDown last night, especially uh, from some of the SmackDown women who we didn't get to hear from on Monday. We heard the reaction of the Iconics talking about how excited they are. Then they chose to turn their attention to talking about Asuka and poking the bear. Talking about how when they defeated Asuka and uh, Becky Lynch back in April uh, in their debut on SmackDown Live, that was Asuka's first loss on uh, SmackDown Live, both claiming that both of them are better than Asuka. Oh, what a poor decision by both of them. What, why, why would you poke the bear? Really, why poke the bear? I, mean, I know it's all done as a, a way to uh, set up a match uh, with Asuka as we saw Billy Kay had last night. But even uh, despite uh, some interference from Peyton Royce throughout the match and an early onslaught by Kay, she stood at no chance going up against the Empress of Tamar, who eventually was able to end her night with a nasty kick to head. My issue here is how it feels like Asuka's momentum as a star on the main roster has really fallen flat. I understand that everybody's going to lose a match eventually, but the fact that now in the last four months, she's lost three big matches, losing to Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania and losing twice in a five-week span to Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I'll tell you, it it, it just feels like it, there's no direction now 
for uh, Oscar to go. They they should have had her defeat Charlotte Flair. I, I mean, to hell with Carmella's money in the bank briefcase. You could have pulled off some kind of uh, swerve there and had her cash it in uh, on uh, Alexa Bliss from Monday Night Raw. You could have had her uh, go to Raw in the Superstar Shake-Up and say that the briefcase still counts. Now, you have her lose all these title matches in a row. It's like, where do you go from here? They they sh- they could have kept the undefeated streak going. Uh, either that or they should have had her lose to Ember Moon last year as she was leaving NXT coming to the main roster. So then she's undefeated on uh, um, either Raw or SmackDown. If not do that, keep her undefeated until possibly facing Ronda Rousey next year at WrestleMania. Can you imagine... If she had won the women's title at WrestleMania, gone a full year as women's champion, you have then Ronda Rousey win the Women's Royal Rumble this coming January, and you set up the Empress of Tomorrow, an undefeated champion, up against someone who they're clearly trying to build as one of their biggest stars in uh, women's wrestling in Ronda Rousey, one of the biggest stars in the world today. That would be a main event level thing. You could have WrestleMania. Then there's all the shock and awe when Ronda uh, defeats her, like when Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker. Now, it's just, where do you go from here? Because without the the story of her being undefeated, she... uh, feels uh, like lost in the mix here and it doesn't feel like the the writing team uh, for WWE has much of anything for her right now, especially when you consider where the women's title picture is about to go. Now I've been waiting all week to find out who Paige had selected to face AJ Styles for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. I had a pretty good idea in the back of my mind who this was going to be, but just like everybody else, I was going to sit back, wait, and hey, maybe I'd be surprised. Maybe it wouldn't be who I was expecting. At about the halfway point in the program, AJ came out for the contract signing, met Paige in the ring, and just when Paige was about to introduce uh, the next challenger, that's when... James Ellsworth, of all people, um, appeared. And he reminded everyone how during his previous run in WWE, he had defeated AJ Styles three times. And that's why he said he should be the next challenger for the championship. Which really annoyed Paige, because Paige was trying to set up this big moment here and set up what would be SmackDown's uh, main event for SummerSlam. Referred to... Ellsworth as a joke, a pipsqueak, and uh, Ellsworth responded by insulting uh, the general manager, which led Page to not just firing James Ellsworth, but also having him escorted out of the arena. And the cameras followed them as the security guys were carrying Ellsworth. Page was following behind, making sure he was out of the building. And, you know, I turned out to be right about who I suspected was going to be the next challenger for the WWE Championship because the camera flashed back on the arena showed AJ looking at the Tron laughing and out of nowhere comes the Samoan submission machine Samoa Joe with an attack on Styles from behind 
even applying uh, the Quakina clutch, uh, causing him to pass out. And then that's when Joe signed the contract uh, that was still on the table uh, for a title match with a longtime rival of his at SummerSlam on August the 19th. Remember, this is a rivalry that's spanned across different companies over the last 15 years. Whether it be Ring of Honor, whether it be TNA or Impact Wrestling as they're they're now called. And this is a match that the fans have wanted to see on WWE. Wanted to be see on a pay-per-view stage in WWE ever since they both came to the company and ended up on uh, the same brand together earlier this year. So this segment, now it, did, it set up two things. First was the beginning of their rivalry, a rivalry that I've seen coming for the last couple months. Remember, I brought this up, I think it was last week, how the last SmackDown before Backlash, AJ was out at the ring talking about Shinsuke Nakamura, and Samoa Joe came out and confronted him and told him that once he's done with Roman Reigns, he's coming for AJ Styles in the WWE Championship next. And they did the smart thing by making us wait for that. They didn't just give us that rivalry right away after AJ was uh, done with uh, Nakamura. Um, made us almost forget about it uh, un- unless you've been uh, truly keeping track of what's going on here. The other thing that this uh, segment did was with the dismissal of James Ellsworth, now you can create a little bit of chaos. Because with his uh, firing and how unhappy he was and how unpleased Carmella was about this, now you can have him start showing up at WWE events, interfering in house shows, interfering in SmackDown Live to the point where it frustrates Paige, where she has to rehire James Ellsworth uh, one way or another just to punish him in the long run here. So you can have him start interfering in the shows, whether buying ticket to the show or just breaking and entering kind of thing and just being an all-around annoyance that we know James Ellsworth is capable of being. But that aside, the main point here was to set up the the AJ-Samoa Joe rivalry, set up the match at SummerSlam. See, this is the match... If done properly, this is the match that not only can steal the show, be the match of the summer, but also should be the main event of SummerSlam. The WWE title, the most important championship in professional wrestling today. Not Brock versus Roman Reigns, a match that no one wants to see. If Vince is smart, he'll put this match on after Lesnar versus Reigns. Because... I've brought this up several times. At Backlash, you had fans walking out of the arena before the show was over, leaving when they saw Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe was the main event. And while the match was okay, you saw the fans express their displeasure. You don't want a situation where you get the SummerSlam and you have the match no one wants to see again, Lesnar Reigns, as your main event. The match everyone wants to see is AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. You put that one on last, you're going to assure yourself 
the crowd will stay for the entire show because this is a match at a rivalry we've been waiting to see in WWE for a very long time. We not only found out who AJ Styles would be defending the WWE Championship against at SummerSlam, but we also found out the fate of the SmackDown Women's Championship for SummerSlam. Because Carmella had to put aside her frustration about James Ellsworth getting fired to go up against Becky Lynch, where if Becky Lynch won, she would get an opportunity at the championship at SummerSlam. And Becky Lynch has been on quite a roll over the last several months, defeating both members of Absolution, both members of the Iconics, having uh, good runs in the Money in the Bank ladder match, coming up fairly close on several occasions to becoming a challenger for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Well, now she had the opportunity right in front of her. Uh, All she had to do was uh, beat Carmella and Throughout the match, Carmella showed a lot of uh, disrespect to, toward uh, Lynch. Um, was able to uh, avoid the disarm her for m- most of the match. Um, even in the early part when she attempted to go for it, Carmella avoided it and uh, f- flattened her momentum throughout it. And as I said, showed Lynch a, a lot of uh, disrespect, like yelling at her, uh, d- continuing with her whole Mela is uh, a money uh, stuff. Even uh, uh, the, was able to hit uh, a super kick at one point and you w- tried to cheat on several times by using the ropes, but none of that was... Uh, was good enough. Uh, Lynch was able to kick out of those. Uh, the the Irish last kicker uh, finally got fired up, show, uh, got some uh, momentum going, and eventually was able to put Carmella away with uh, the disarm her and get the title shot at SummerSlam. And you no, know, the match itself was better than most uh, women's matches we typically see on SmackDown. You know, mostly due to the time constraint the show has, but it served uh, a a great purpose here. It was better than, uh, as I said, some matches we've seen with Carmella one on one recently. Also, uh, you know, it it showed the the, uh, the fire inside of Lynch, how uh, the the almost underdog way that she has become, how she's not going to let anything. Uh, turn away her focus uh, the, and once frustration set in uh, she was able to really get going and make Carmelo pay for the disrespect she's shown her also without James Ellsworth there you don't have any distractions to help out Carmella. So now it puts a question in the back of her head. Uh, oh, can she beat Lynch without having Ellsworth there as her backup? A story that they can play up as uh, we get closer and closer to SummerSlam. Plus, you know, Becky deserves this opportunity. She's as good as any uh, women's wrestler on the SmackDown roster. She is the first ever SmackDown Women's Champion, but hasn't gotten the title shot in a very long time. You, you've seen uh, those opportunities go to the likes of Charlotte Flair and Asuka 
We haven't seen her in the, the mix for a championship match in a while. So now it's her turn to get back in uh, the thick of things and, and finally get a title opportunity. And what better place than SummerSlam? This is a match that hopefully they don't push off to the pre-show. I'd like to actually see these women on uh, the, the main show and uh, see uh, what they do given uh, the spotlight of SummerSlam because it, if I'm correct, they've both appeared on SummerSlam, but neither one of them has had a one-on-one match uh, in their early parts of their careers here on uh, WWE's uh, biggest show of the summer. As I mentioned earlier, we found out over the weekend how the Bludgeon Brothers' next challenger for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships was going to be determined. Paige announced a four-team tournament would be beginning over the next three weeks, featuring the New Day, Sanity, the Usos, and the Bar, who we haven't seen in recent weeks or months. The first match of the tournament took place last night with the New Day and Sanity. Uh, Second uh, time in uh, nine days, these two teams are squaring off. And they seem to have a pretty good chemistry in the ring. Especially when you combine the aerial style of Kofi Kingston, the, the technician and under rated ability of Xavier Woods. You got the power in Big E going up against the power in Killian Dane. How Eric Young can seemingly work with anybody and the fact that Alexander Wolf is just a loose cannon. In this one it was Wolf and Dane going up against uh, Woods and Big E and they were able to dominate Woods throughout most of the matchup before Big E came in the match and sparked a comeback for the babyfaces. It it appeared that there was going to be some interference throughout it by Eric Young, as you knew there would be, but he was uh, eliminated from uh, the festivities by uh, Kofi Kingston knocking him um, off the top rope uh, down the ringside. And that distraction um, created an opening for Big E and Xavier Woods uh to deliver the up, up, down, down on uh, uh, on uh, Alexander Wolf and gain them the victory, allowing them to move on. Now there was a bit of a contentious stare down after the match because throughout the match uh, the Usos were sitting ringside uh, at the commentary table, ta- uh, talking to uh, Philip Saxton and Graves, uh, talking about uh, who they. Uh, could be facing if they get past the bar next week. And we all know the storied history between the New Day and uh, the Usos. But before anything could happen between them, the bar came back. They made their first appearance on uh, television uh, in uh, what seems like two months and reminded uh, both teams uh, that... uh, no, they are not just the bar. Uh, they not just set the bar, but they are the bar. Talking about how it's uh, been a while since we've uh, seen them, and how they expect to win the, the tag team uh, tournament. And uh, no, it's kind of a weird way to bring them back, having them be 
part of this tournament when we haven't seen them in uh, months. But, no, I'm glad we get to see this team again. I Personally, I'd like to see them win the, this tournament. I'd like to see them be the next ones to go up against the Bludgeon Brothers. The Bludgeon Brothers have gone through every team on SmackDown Live. The Usos, New Day. You know they're probably not going to face Sanity just because those two factions are very similar in the way that they go about things and the fact that they're both heel teams you rarely see a heel rivalry heel versus heel rivalry for a championship they've uh, um, also uh, gone through the reunited team hell no so the bar is really the the one team that they have not gone up against yet. So be interesting to see them go up against a team in Sheamus and Cesaro who were so great on the Raw tag team scene, were Raw tag team champions three or four times in a matter of a year and a half after they got put together. See what they can do because they really have not done much other than a uh, short-lived rivalry with the New Day upon coming to SmackDown Live. We haven't seen that much out of this tag team at all. So why not allow them to be the next in line? We'll see more on what happens with that when they go up against uh, the Usos next week to determine who will face New Day in two weeks to decide the next challengers for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship. Now, after SmackDown each week is a new reality show starring The Miz and his wife, Maurice, called The Miz and Mrs. It's a half-hour reality show, which is kind of disappointing because I watched the first episode last night and I was left wanting more, even yelling, hey, if this was on E! Network, they would have given them a full hour. But it is what it is. So being that last night was the premiere, the debut of it, you knew The Miz was going to be all braggadocious, and he was holding a celebration at the end of the show alongside his uh, wife, uh, Maurice, and their daughter, Monroe Sky. They made their way to the ring uh, with, once again, The Miz uh, bragging about Daniel Bryan's failures and the unsuccessful reunion of Team Hell No. Then Maurice... Uh, decided to get a little bit emotional when talking about the upcoming all-women's pay-per-view WWE Evolution and decided to then take credit for the women's uh, revolution. Uh, um, and Miz as well uh, tried to make the claim that their daughter had accomplished more in her short life than Daniel Bryan has in uh, his three decades of life. You know, just on and on, continuing uh, to mock Daniel Bryan was, well as well, throwing praise at them themselves for their uh, new TV uh, show that's uh, going to be airing each week after SmackDown Live. And Miz and Maurice were looking to give us each a uh, sneak uh, preview of uh, the show when a mockery highlight aired showing some of their low moments in WWE, showing some goofy moments from uh, 
off camera that probably won't air on uh, The Miz and Mrs., leading to both of them embarrassed, uh, somewhat ticked off before Daniel Bryan appeared on screen, uh, pretty much doing what The Miz did to him a couple weeks ago. When Remember when uh, Daniel Bryan and Kane appeared on Miz TV, Miz aired that mockery reel of Team Hell No and was acting like, oh, he didn't know how that clip got in there. And Daniel Bryan... Uh, decided to get some payback on him and do the exact same thing. Only Daniel Bryan said he was going to apologize to Miz in person. And it looked like Daniel Bryan was going to get himself a piece of of the Miz here. Uh, He fought his way through uh, the security that was trying to keep Daniel Bryan from uh, uh, the ring. Even, uh, uh, you know, knocking down the velvet. Bit rope that they used as almost like a VIP treatment. And as Daniel Bryan uh, got in the ring, that's when we saw one of the great plot twists or uh, uh, of the night, a moment that could have gone down as one of the more sickening moments in WWE. When, you know, The Miz, he had come out, he was wearing a, that thing on him, that baby carrier on him, and we all assumed, oh, he's carrying Monroe Sky. Even though we didn't see her face at all, we figured, all right, they're covering her up so that she can't hear uh, uh, the loud noises of their entrance music. Well, um, it didn't uh, hurt her ears uh, with the, all the loudness from the crowd cheering or booing whatnot. And Miz takes off the baby carrier and throws it right at Daniel Bryan, only for it to be revealed that the baby and the baby carrier was actually a doll and that allowed enough of a distraction um, by the A-lister for him to capitalize on Daniel Bryan's uh, uh, momentary disbelief to get kicked in the face and be left laying as uh, SmackDown went off the air thanks to a skull-crushing finale. It gave uh, The Miz one last opportunity to brag about his reality show and uh, also stand over Daniel Bryan triumphantly while uh, uh, singing his own praises and uh, uh, belittling uh, Daniel Bryan at the same time. But let's face it, this whole segment, it felt kind of like just a intro promo or extended promo for th- their new show, which... Believe me, I, I enjoyed it. I watched it last night, and Miz off uh, off character in real life seems like a real funny guy, especially uh, at the part of it where they were doing uh, the pregnancy photo shoot for uh, Maurice, and Miz decided to get naked during that. You also saw him uh, get all panicky when people backstage like Titus and Renee were telling uh him that Maurice was having contractions and he comes rushing to catering thinking she's going to have her legs on the table be ready to give birth and she's just sitting there you know uh having a cup of water uh eating a a pastry uh, acting like how she has no idea what the hell the Miz is talking about I mean this whole show it seems like it's it's going to be a funny thing but in reality the segment at the end of Smackdown Let's face it, that was just built more to promote the show that rather than extend the 
the rivalry of Daniel Bryan and The Miz, which we all know it's coming to head here. We all know that it's going to lead to a match at SummerSlam. It's just, it's going to be fun and interesting the way that they continue to progress this over the next coming weeks. How each man looks to build an advantage before this rivalry finally comes to head on the biggest show of the summer. When you know it's coming, I know it's coming. It's it's a match that's been building for seven years. It's a match that really has been anticipated a lot over the last two years when we thought Daniel Bryan was never going to wrestle again. And then to our surprise, he gets cleared. And now him and The Miz are on the same show. I'm just glad they haven't rushed into this and they made us wait. They gave us the slow buildup. Every once in a while, you had some sort of interaction or some sort of trash talk back and forth between the two before now we're finally going to get the big match on the big stage. Seven years in the making, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. And now, I hope they continue to bring their personal lives part of this. I, w- I would love to see, you know, if Maurice is going to continue to be part of the show, I'd love to see them bring back Brie and have her kind of like counteract Maurice, eliminate her from the, the situation, and allow it to just be one-on-one, no interference, mano-a-mano, see who's the best once and for all, Daniel Bryan or The Miz. For this Wednesday, July 25th, 2018, I'm M3, and that was my opinion on SmackDown Live. I'll be back throughout the week with uh, more podcasts on sports. And remember, as always, you can find me on Twitter at M3 Rosansky, as well as check out my other podcast, Keeping It Sports with M3, which you can find on Facebook.com slash Keeping It Sports with M3. For now, everybody have a great night, and I'll talk to you again soon. Peace.